The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Igniting the Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. Why do we complain? You know, we don't even realize sometimes that we're complaining and it's such a habit. What does it do to our lives? How does it negatively impact us and the way that we see the world? Well, join me this episode. I'm going to be speaking with the wonderful Will Bowen, and he is the founder of the Complaint Free Movement with 15 million followers worldwide. He's a five-time international bestseller author. He's a top keynote speaker of conferences um, just around the world. And he's been seen on Oprah, The Today Show, 60 Minutes. He's been in People, Newsweek. This guy is absolutely amazing. And if you want to learn how you can stop complaining and start enjoying the life that you've always wanted, then this episode is for you. In a world that can be challenging and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up, that by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. So happy to have you, Will Bowen. Thank you so much for joining me here on Igniting the Spark. My honor, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really looking forward to talking with you. It's about so many things. One of them, of course, your book, A Complaint-Free World, How to Stop Complaining and Start Engaging the World. I love this title. And in researching you, Will, I just learned so much about this fascinating life that you have led. Um, you've changed millions of people's lives with your complaint-free movement. What, what inspired you to create this movement? You know, I never set out to create a movement. I was teaching a class on prosperity 
in Kansas City in 2006. And when you ask people, do you want to be more prosperous? Everybody says, yeah, I want to be more prosperous. And what does that mean? It means more. The challenge is that we live in, you know, the healthiest, wealthiest country in the healthiest, wealthiest time in human history. Back then, it was pre-pandemic, pre-housing crisis, and people wanted more. There's nothing wrong with that. Problem was, people were complaining incessantly about what they already had. And so, Wayne Dyer put it so well, if you're unhappy with what you have, why would you want more? It just doesn't make any sense. So I was teaching a book based on Edwin Gaines. Um, she had written the book called The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. And in the book, she encouraged people to try and go 21 days in a row without complaining. I issued the same challenge to the people in my group. The thing was, it occurred to me, how would you know what day you're on? And then it occurred to me, because this was 2006, everybody was wearing Livestrong bracelets. If you put a rubber bracelet on your wrist, in our case, we went with purple. And every time you catch yourself complaining, you move the bracelet to the other wrist. This is a mindfulness tool. This is not a cause bracelet. So that was the idea, simple as it could be. And we handed out 250 of these. And then within 30 days, we had requests for 9,000. And we're at 15 million now around the world. And uh, of course, I was on the Oprah Winfrey show, Maya Angelou. I'm the only author that Maya Angelou has ever provided the forward for a book. And I've just been lucky. This is I've just in the right place at the right time. I knew I wanted to be a professional speaker. I knew I wanted to be a writer but I had no idea what I was ever going to write or speak on. And then this just, I didn't create this. This created me and it continues to be a great blessing for me. Well, it sounds like the divine line things up for you, Will, that there, there was some beautiful orchestration <laughs> in this. And you must have, I imagine, because we all do, we can all catch ourselves complaining. How had complaining affected your life before you got on this you know, real oh awareness? God. I was I was the most negative person there was. And it took me a long time to really become aware of how much I complained. Because so often I would say, oh, I'm just, you know, telling the truth or whatever. And the dictionary defines complain as to express grief, pain, or discontent. I was a middle child. And I know we're going to talk about the five reasons people complain, but I just complained to get attention, get attention, get attention. And it was my default setting because it worked. And so if I was to walk up to a group of friends in a restaurant, um, I would always tell them the bad news. I'm kind of laughing because you and I were talking off camera about some stuff that's going on with hurricanes and helicopters. But that was, you know, I always had to have something have you heard? It's just so bad uh, like this. And um, so I was an extremely negative person, extremely complaining person, but I did it to get my social needs met. And that's really people, all five reasons people complain, it's just to get their social needs met. So I try not to be too hard on myself. 
It's it's true, you know, and and I think that it's important that we talk about what the distinction is between how do we differentiate between an opinion or noticing and a complaint. Before we go into the five reasons, what what are the differences between those? You know, Eckhart Tolle put it really well uh, in his book, A New Earth. He said that um, it is not complaining to tell the waiter your soup is cold and needs to be heated up if you stick to the facts, which are always neutral. How dare you serve me cold soup? That's complaining. All complaining has a, how dare you do this to me? The center of the universe. Uh, it, it is taking things personally. And um, so complaining is always about what is wrong and what is missing. People talk about, um, somebody once joked before a speech I did that, oh, I was just another positive thinking guy. So I looked up the word positive. The word positive means present. So being positive is about what is present and what is working. Being negative or complaining is about what is missing and what is not working. Complaining is always about what is wrong and what is missing. And it has an emotional attachment to it that this shouldn't be happening to me. It's it's not a statement of this happens and it sucks. You know, hey, I went to the dentist and I'm going to have to have two teeth pulled. That's a statement of fact. You know, I went to the dentist and of course I got. That's complete. yeah. I yeah. think I've I think I've overexplained my point. Here. No, you're great, and it, and you know I think too it's interesting because. As a psychotherapist, I have people in my office that ask me about this all the time. Am I complaining? You know, it's almost like I'm I'm telling you this story. And what's interesting is I'll say to them, if you notice someone on the street, you know, and I'm in Old Town, Fort Collins, which is kind of the hip part of the city. And so there's all kinds of colorful personalities and people. And I said, so if you noticed like, oh, that person had a lot of piercings and all this, you know, tattoos and colored hair. You could notice that and be fine, but it's when you say to your you know, friend, oh my gosh, can you believe this person? Right, exactly. That is then a judgment and judge, judging is complaining. One of, the, one of the key points that I've learned over the years, because I now build myself as the world authority on complaining, why we do it, what's wrong with it, how to get ourselves and others to stop. And to do that, I've had to read everything I could find on complaining. And one of the more interesting concepts that I, I, I learned and like to teach is that it's not complaining to speak directly and only to the person who can resolve your issue. That's not complaining. I call that a request for accountability. Complaining is going around and telling everybody else. If I'm upset with Stephanie, but I'm going around and telling Morgan and everybody else why I'm upset with her, then that is, that's complaining. If you speak direct, and the reason that people, grown adults, you know, my age, still sound like this when they're like that, it's because they learned when they were kids that if they whined when mom and dad said no, they could get their way. So they think they have to go out into the world and whine. 
And so people do that or they get angry. And it's just what they use to manipulate their parents. And what they don't realize is that as an adult, you can get pretty much anything you want if you just ask. You don't have to be, you know, negative fault finding about it. Yeah. And it's interesting how that becomes what I'm hearing you say, a coping style that's learned really early on, unless you're conscious about it, you may right. still be doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so yep. let's move into those five reasons people complain. What are the reasons that, that people complain? Robin Kowalski at Clemson University did her doctoral or master's thesis on the on complaining and studied it for years. And since then, she and I become very good friends, and we've actually done some research together. I bring that up to say that she was the one that came up with people complain for five reasons. But no offense to you as a psychotherapist, her stuff was kind of hard to understand. It was, you know, so I took what her concepts and made them into an easy to remember five, which is G-R-I-P-E, gripe. People complain simply to get attention. Now, it can be to get attention in a negative, uh, somebody screaming at the counter clerk at the airport, whatever. It can be that, but it's often far more subtle than that. It's like I was speaking about earlier with myself. Get attention in the sense of talk to me. Notice me. Let me engage you. I need to engage you. Getting attention is not a human want. It's a human need. I do, I don't know, 30 to 40 speeches a year. And I get to travel around and see how different people put on different events. And it's really interesting because the most successful events that I've been a part of They've actually had greeters at the door to welcome people as they're coming into the ballroom to see me speak. That little touch of someone, good morning, don't you look nice? It's so great. I'm so glad you're here. This is not something people want. It's something they need. They need that acknowledgement. And I've, I've often said, could you imagine if you walked in today and saw everybody getting greeted? except you, how would you feel? How? And it's that we all need to just get attention. So what I recommend is if you've got somebody who is coming to you, like I used to always do, you know, I was the bad news bear. You want to redirect their energy. You want to let them know they can talk to you and they don't need to come at you with what's wrong. So you want to begin the conversation by asking what's right. You want to say some variation of what's going well. Stephanie, what are you grateful for? What are you happy about? What's the best thing you've had to eat today? Who's the happiest person you know? Anything that's going to get them to start, because all they want is a connection. That's all they want is a conversation. You know, the, the part that I'm curious about as you were talking is when it's someone in our family, let's say, that we have an aunt or maybe we have a grandparent who's very negative and complaining, I'm curious if you would start by telling them 
that this makes me feel really uncomfortable and I love spending time with you. And I'd rather hear about these things that are going right. Is it okay, Will, to put that out there? What are your thoughts about that? I think you're going to get resistance. I think the person might feel blamed because nobody sees themselves in a negative light, even if they all are. My grandfather owned a hardware store and there was a man there who everybody wanted to work with this one particular clerk. And I would follow him around. His name was Willie. And Willie always, he never said, what brings you in? What do you know? What can I help you with? Et cetera. I said, what are you working on? Hardware store. He always said, what's the good word, my friend? Um, what's the good word? So I think by saying, this makes me uncomfortable. Therefore, we're going to do this. The person is going <laughs> to go, just back up here, Jack. You know, yeah, I yeah. think just taking the initiative and saying, Grandma, auntie, you know, when was the last time you saw a rainbow? What's the cutest puppy you've ever saw? What's your favorite smell of all the smells in the world? When was the last time you smelled a strawberry rhubarb pie? All they want to do really is to connect. Now it doesn't, and just so you'll know, it doesn't work initially, immediately. This is habitual for them. So what mm -hmm. you've got to do is celebrate if you get 20 seconds of good coming out of their mouth before they start complaining about whatever, that's an improvement. So yeah, it works. Yeah, I love it. So it's it's just this subtle, I love it, initiate it and just keep plugging on the positive. Yeah. And that over time, maybe they do become more aware of it. Well, let's go on. What What are the other reasons, Will, that people... Do this complaining, Complain. this habitual complaining. Yeah, well, and remind yourself, remember, there is a request for accountability, and that's not a complaint. The other day, I ordered a gift for my daughter from Amazon, and they sent the wrong thing. When I reached out to Amazon and informed them, that's not a complaint. That's a request for accountability. Mm -hmm. Now, these reasons have to do with social reasons, social needs. So get attention, break the ice, let's talk. That's why people complain on elevators. The R in gripe stands for remove responsibility. This is when you give someone a task and they either don't want to do the task or they don't want to do the task at the level you would like them to do the task. So they complain about the circumstances surrounding the task to shift the blame from them to the circumstances. Mm. So you'll lower your expectations and you'll let them off the hook. The kids are great at this. Employees are great at this. You know, I love to give the analogy or the example. A friend of mine owns a uh, cookie company and her cookies are in grocery stores all on the East Coast. Well, one day she asked her assistant for a report so she could have it to talk to her board the following week, and she wanted to study it over the weekend. And as with most complaints to remove responsibility, it usually begins with, you know, I would love to, but, but, I would love to, but, then they complain, I would love to, but I first got to go and meet with accounting. 
And half the people in accounting are off on vacation right now. So Lord knows if I'll get to talk to them. Then I got to bump the numbers up against what marketing is showing. Then I've got to go see production. Everybody's running late. Everybody's running behind. The last time I asked production for something, it took three weeks. I know you want this report on Friday, but I think it's more realistically going to be Tuesday afternoon. She said, okay, well, then come to find out. He just wanted to leave early on Friday. He was complaining to be removed of the responsibility to have to do this. He was literally shifting. So what happens is as parents, as managers, we're good people. We want to support the people in our charge. So if I say, Stephanie, I want you to go do something and you start complaining about the circumstances, my heart's going to kick in and I'm going to go, oh, well, let me help you or let me help you plan. If that happens, you could always do this and you could always do that. But the problem is a person complaining to remove from responsibility has limitless things to throw at you. They're never going to be done. So what you want to do, and I got this from Tony Robbins. As you can tell, I'm a big fan. We're giving credit where credit's due. Tony Robbins came up with this. And it works and it's brilliant. And I use it all the time. If somebody is complaining to be removed of responsibility, you ask, if it were possible, how might you do it? Love that. If Love it that. were possible, and you just keep stressing that word. And the, your, the implication is, if it were possible, how might you do it? Meaning, how, how might who do it? You Meaning do it. not me. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, you're getting them to, you just keep saying, hey, if it were possible, how might you do it? I've got a, a guy who works for me who used to complain to remove himself from responsibility quite a bit. And I did that dance of trying to, oh, I would, I would journal. How am I going to help John do his job better? And finally, I went, if it were possible, how might you do it? This is your job. So Perfect. So, so it's not the boss or not the parent assuming the responsibility and taking right. it on. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. that. I love it. And it's putting yes. it back on that person. If it were possible. And it's yes, it's doing it. it. Yes. And it's doing it in an engaging way. Uh, again, Tony Robbins points out that we control the mind, not with statements, but with questions. And so if you can ask a person a question, you get them to think of possibilities rather than potential roadblocks. I love so this. So that's your R. Yes. All okay. Right. Get attention. G, get attention. R, remove responsibility. The I is actually inspire envy. And whenever I speak, I always joke and say, you know why it's inspire e envy? Because brag doesn't begin with an I. <laughs> right. I needed an I for my great acronym, but it is brag. People mm -hmm. simply complain to brag. You don't brag about your good fortune. That's considered rude. I've never found a culture where that's considered cool. You can complain about your good fortune, though, and accomplish the same thing, you know? Oh, man, the worst thing about being married to a gorgeous woman is everybody's always checking her out. See, I'm bragging, you know? Yeah, yeah. Worst thing about having a Tesla is finding a place to charge it. 
you know, I've now informed you. I had a friend who bought a million dollar boat on Lake of the Ozarks. And one day some friends walked by and uh, I, I had known about the boat for a month. And he'd said, you know, Will, we were sitting at a coffee shop. He said, you know, Will, when you spend a million dollars on a boat, you think it would come with a better trailer just as these friends are walking by. <laughs> so what do you think they do? Yeah. 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 And the way this usually happens is that you get one person complaining about someone else. They, like you said earlier, you were talking about, it's one thing to look at people and if you're not into tats and piercings and whatever to notice them and it's another to criticize them. Yeah. So that's what you people usually do because when they're complaining to brag, they're saying, if everything were done my way, the world would be fine. So what you want to do is you want to compliment the opposite of what they're complaining about. In your example of seeing somebody who's, I don't know how you would call it, they're dressed untraditionally, yeah. you would say to the person who's making the statement, you know what I love about you? You're always dressed so sophisticated. You flip whatever they are saying, you know? Mm, oh my that. God, the movie's going to start in 10 minutes and Jeremy is late again. You know what I love about you, Benjamin? You're always on time. You compliment whatever they are complaining about somebody else, and then they don't feel that need to brag, to complain. Yeah. To brag yeah, yeah. Through an invidious comparison. All right. You ready to get to the P? I'm ready. This is my favorite. This is my favorite one. P stands for power. I call this enrage and engage. Most people are pretty good or neutral about most things until someone enrages them and engages them. And the, the person who does it is always doing it for their own benefit. In other words, you know, I live in a homeowners association. People were putting kayaks down by the beach and leaving them. And everybody was cool with it till one person wasn't and went around and talked to several people so they could then go to the board and say, you know, everybody feels this way. No, they don't. You feel this way, but you want to say that by enraging and engaging them. To me, this is the reason this is so fascinating is that all social media, if you watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which is amazing, it talks about how YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, they all discovered that if they can bring you in with your interests, in other words, right now I'm figuring out how to fix a gas gauge on my boat. So I'm on YouTube looking at a gas gauge thing. But the suggestions over here might be semi-boat related, but ultimately they're there to upset you. They're there to, you can't believe this is happening in your state or can you believe this? And that is enrage and engage. And what they all found is the more they can upset you, the longer you watch and the more often you watch. 
which they then translate into revenue. And the same is true for news. A friend of mine's an anchor in uh, Kansas City, and she told me that she got so tired of reading the producer's lead-ins to commercials. Things like, is your toaster trying to kill you? Find out when we come back. The answer is no, of course not. But they get you to watch. And then to me, the lastly, the thing that we don't realize is that all politics is based on complaining. If you don't have a complaint, you don't have a campaign. There's got to be a them for there to be an us. And hate him or love him. Donald Trump is the master complainer. He's the complainer in chief. He owns every single news cycle, good, bad, or otherwise, because he's always got a them. That's what we then go, that's what I want to see, because enrage and engagement. If you enrage me, you engage me. So now the way this usually works. Yeah. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, and we don't we don't realize we're doing it. That's what I find so interesting is that we just don't realize we're, we're doing that. So, yeah, and, and the way this often happens is you'll get one person complaining about someone else starting to try to build an alliance at work, here at the Condo Association, uh, whatever. You want to try and nip that in the bud early. You don't want to sell your alliance or your power for the price of a complaint. So what you want to do is if somebody is coming up to you going, well, you know, so-and-so over there is blah, 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 blah. Really, let's bring them over, get them engaged. So you, what you want to say is, it sounds like the two of you have a lot to talk about. That's it. Perfect. You just keep saying, sounds like the two of you have a lot to talk about. The two of who? Meaning not mm-hmm. me. Exactly. Yeah. So there's your five reasons. And I have been speaking on this topic since speaking professionally. I wrote my first book in 2007. And I have been challenged on those five topics, five reasons, hundreds of times by people. Well, what about this? And there's also this. They all fit under those five reasons. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Well, and what was the E, Will? Somehow I, I missed, what was the E? The one that I forgot to cover. Let's cover that one now. <laughs> that sounds perfect. You're being so gracious. <laughs> You're being so gracious. Well, you forgot to do the E. I'm over here spelling on my <laughs> fingers. Yes. G-R-I-P-E. <laughs> and I did such a great wrap up, didn't I? It was okay. so good. E, I'm ready for the E. Thank you. Yes. The, the E is interesting because it's the past tense of the R. The R is remove responsibility. I asked Stephanie to do something. She doesn't want to do it. So she complains about the circumstances to lower my expectations. In E, excuse poor performance. That's what the E stands for. Excuse poor performance. In this scenario, I've asked Stephanie to do something. She did it, but she didn't do a good job. And so she doesn't want to say, hey, Will, the reason I didn't do such and such was I didn't pay attention or I wasn't listening or whatever. I didn't leave in time. You're going to blame the traffic. You're going to blame this. You're going to blame that. You're going to complain about, oh, you know, well, I would have, but now in this case, you want to keep the person on the hook, just like with remove responsibility. The problem is in this case, what we tend to do is intimidate the person by going, well, why didn't you think about that? Why didn't you plan about plan for that? Why didn't you? Why didn't you? And then the person is like, uh, uh, uh. And, and they're actually less likely to do a good job next time. So what you want to say is, how do you plan to improve next time? How do you plan to improve next time? <clears throat> Excuse me. I was teaching this young man who lives here to drive my boat the other day. And you need to slow down when you're coming through big wakes. He didn't do that several times. And so... This boat went by with a woman and a, a girl in a pink bikini, and he that's all he could see, and the waves, ba-boom, ba-boom. So I put us in neutral, put us over to the edge of the mangroves, and I said, all right, how do you plan to improve next time? And he said, keep my eyes straight ahead, keep focus. And I said, <laughs> good, that's what you need to do. So, yeah, it, and thank you for bringing me back to that. I would have hated to have forgotten that. But it is interesting how... We will complain when we're given something to do and we mess it up. It's not our fault. I used to say golfers never hit a bad shot. It's always the grips are wet or the green is, the wind is blowing the wrong way or someone sneezed. It's never their fault. And how powerful, actually, if you want to talk about true power, it's when we can admit, yeah, I messed up. And yeah, I do mm -hmm. want to do it differently. But this takes right. some conscious awareness. And, and as you know, thank you for that. I love this acronym, GRAPE, not GRIP, GRAPE. It is amazing. <laughs> and I do, you know, I want to talk about the impact of this, though. When we're complaining, when people complain, how it really disrupts our relationships, you know, in, in business or in definitely in our personal relationships. What it reminded me of is I was I was reading the first part of your book is, you know, John Gottman talks about the four apocalyptic horsemen, and mm -hmm. they are the things that ruin relationships. And one of them is when we're having, when we're complaining, and one of them is sarcasm, mm -hmm. which I know you, mm -hmm. you speak sarcasm. about as well. Yeah. Can you speak mm -hmm. to that, Will? Yeah. I, again, I, 
that that concept I inherited from Edwin Gaines because she said you want to go 21 days without complaining, gossip, or criticism. And so I felt like that was almost like an assignment to keep those three together as this started really exploding. And as I looked into it, sarcasm is complaining with a punchline is how I like to think mm-hmm. of it. I was in Africa. I led a group of people to help build a children's hospital there for a few weeks. And we were in this bus on these roads and the roads are not really roads. They're like boulders and stuff. And I said, nice roads. And my translator didn't translate that to the driver. And I said, why not? And he said, because we don't have sarcasm. We don't, there's, we never would say something and mean the exact opposite. We don't understand that doing it, trying to be funny but it's it's passive aggressive complaining in many ways and it's so funny nowadays people with t-shirts that proudly say sarcastic you know and uh i I was at disney world and i wanted to buy a happy t-shirt one of the seven dwarfs do you Mm -hmm. know you can't buy a happy t-shirt grumpy is everywhere on everything but nope not happy, can't find happy. So oh, that's fascinating. And I asked, I went into every store in all four parks. So sarcasm is kind of in vogue and it's just a lower level of communication. It is a way of trying to make a point, but like in the movie um, Sling Blade, Dwight Yoakam's character, he would go, just kidding, just kidding. I mean, that's that's really kind of what we're doing. Hey, you're fat, dumb, lazy, and stupid and ugly. Uh, you're getting offended? Hey, I'm just kidding. That's, yeah. In, in many ways, sarcasm is, that's, and that was a hard one. That's for me. <laughs> well, and Because so that's, that is how some people are funny, and that's how they connect with other people. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have a daughter that's really sarcastic and she's hilarious and sometimes it stinks. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not funny, you know? Mm -hmm. And she goes, Oh mom, you jerk. Well, she stopped saying that. She said that when she was in Mm -hmm. high school and now that she's, you know, 35, she doesn't say that because I'm like, yeah, that's not okay. That's not okay with me. Mm -hmm. Even if you're joking, like you're saying there's this underlying complaint, you know, you, you talked about, there's so many things that we're running. I know we're going to run out of time to talk about, but I am curious about how we start coming out of this complaining. Because you talked about these four different ways that we kind of move through this, beginning with right. being unconscious, because I think we are such habitual mm-hmm. beings and we have a mm-hmm. natural negativity bias in our brain. So yes, our brains are. Oh, you do. Yeah. So you know, it's, mm-hmm, it's yeah. you know, our our brains are focusing on what we need to protect ourselves against. They're searching the environment, right? For the saber-toothed tiger. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. if we're not conscious about it, that is what we're focus on, focusing on. We're focusing on the negative. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a principle of physics is that what we focus on expands. So you, you spoke about in your book, the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. And, and this, you know, how it relates to 
complaining? How does it relate to complaining? And then again, I guess, circling back around the the stages that we can bring ourselves out of it. You know, I think to me, Joe Vitale, who's become a good friend through, he was in The Secret. When he did his part for the movie, The Secret, afterwards, somebody said something to him about, is it important to be, to feel good as you're doing this? And he's like, oh my God, turn the camera back on. We got to record this. And he's like, you've got to be in a field of gratitude, you know? Wallace D. Waddles, and I think it's the greatest book on manifesting ever, the, the uh, science of getting rich. He talks about, you are closer to the creative source through gratitude. You never get closer to the creative source through resentment, anger, what is wrong, what is missing. You must be focusing on what is good and what is going well. And a chronic complainer is to get their social needs met. That's all it is. And they're socially inept, if you think about it, is walking around looking for bad stuff and seeking ye will find. My mother was an extremely negative person. She suffered from chronic depression. Every Sunday night, I would call my mom at eight o'clock. That was my me, my brothers, and I worked out a schedule. But I always had to have a list of what went wrong that week to tell mom, you know? And as a result, I attracted more, plenty of stuff to tell her every single week. So if you have a vision board, if you're visualizing, if you're listening to Abraham Hicks and watching The Secret every day, but you're walking around complaining, forget it. You're building, you're taking one step forward, one step back, one step forward, one step back. The word abracadabra actually comes from an Ar two Arabic words, ibrakadib. And what it means is, with my voice, I create. And so we have got to realize that we are creating our lives every day by what comes out of our mouth. And if what is coming out of our mouth is negative, what comes into our life is going to be negative. That garbage in, garbage out in reverse. Garbage out of your mouth means garbage in coming into your life. So profound. I mean, gratitude, we've heard the research forever that just mm -hmm. focusing, I think it was... Um, Oh, I am spacing on his name right now. Uh, father of positive psychology, Marty Seligman, spoke Martin about. Seligman, yeah, Martin Seligman. Yeah, yeah, he spoke about how important it is. What he he called them joy boosts. And so one of the ways he said in a longitudinal study to increase your joy, even if it's ten percent, which is what the study showed, was to mm -hmm. write down three times you know, just three things a day that you were grateful for, and then to marinate on them, to feel them. And that mm -hmm. will raise your well-being, your sense of joy mm -hmm. in your life. So this doesn't have to be complicated. I think, like you said, this, this is actually a simple process, like the mindfulness of taking the bracelet. And when you complain, moving it to the other wrist, it's a simple process, mm -hmm. but it's very profound because it's interrupting this automatic, habitual negativity in our lives. Yeah, well, the average person complains 15 to 30 times a day and has no awareness they're doing it. My big joke is always complaining is like bad breath. You notice it coming out of somebody else's mouth, but not coming out of your own. And so the purpose of the bracelet is to make you mindful. 
whoops, I think I complained. You move, you move, you move, you move. And yes, the answer is yes. We have had thousands of people who have gone 21 days without complaining. It's amazing how people stick with this. We got one guy in our Complaint-Free Life Inner Circle, which is a membership program. I know he's done it seven times. He just keeps doing it. So. But how great, how great, because the yeah. result is what? I mean, what, what do people get, Will, when they stop complaining? What happens to us? The, you know what the number one side, and the side result of this is increased happiness which is the one thing that everybody wants. Everybody says, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. Oh, I want to make $50,000 a year. No, you want the happiness you think will come as a result of doing this. So why not take the express train to happiness? And that is take the complaint-free challenge. Begin to talk about what's going well and what's going good <clears throat> because your body physiologically responds to what your mind thinks and what your mouth says. And so the, the benefits are just incredible. There's the, I write quite a bit. I've got a new version of the book coming out next year through Random House. And there was a study done by um, Stanford University. They put people in MRI machines and they had other people sit outside the MRI machines and complain to them while they were in the MRI machine. Nothing happened for a half an hour as they had their brains scanned. But at the 30-minute mark, the hippocampus in the brain began to shrink. So they tried a new experiment, put people in MRI machines, had them complain out loud to themselves. Again, half hour in, hippocampus begins to shrink. The hippocampus in your brain is responsible for learning and creative thought. So complaining makes you stupid you literally see an increase in intelligence when you stop complaining. Not only that, of course, typical things, lower blood pressure, better relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Dr. Lewis Terman in 1931 tried to figure out why people get divorced and he could not find a couple that got divorced where complaining was not involved. I so, believe it. I know. believe it. You know, yeah. and, and when you say that, I'm also a couples therapist. It reminds me of a couple that I actually wrote about, had permission to write about in my first book, who what they would do, they both came in and I saw right away the complaining was actually just symptoms, of course, of what was going on underneath. But one mm. of them was complaining about he was the cook and he made the food too spicy and he would always pair the dinner with wine. And she never liked the wine that he chose. And what was fascinating to me, Will, is that what I had them do is instead, at the end of your time, at every night, at the end of your day, I just want you to say three heartfelt appreciations about each other before you go to bed. And nice. this couple came in a week later and I thought, oh my gosh, what has happened? And it was literally just wow. taking the focus off what they had complained about and instead like you said, it's moving into the state of gratitude and the mind then, you know, a reticular activating system starts noticing mm -hmm. it's a part of our brain that mm -hmm. notices starts going, yes. oh, now I'm going to look for this thing to appreciate. And all of a sudden right. I see more and more and more of that. 
So mm-hmm. I hear that with this, this wonderful way of changing complaints into gratitude as we focus on what we have. What, what is a strategy that you could tell listeners of how do we break through this habitual loop? I'm hearing gratitude being one of them. Is, is there another way that they can elevate their happiness by stopping complaining? You know, really take, take my complaint free challenge. You don't have to, you can get one of our bracelets. It comes with seven fast start videos where I talk through all these five reasons and when you're probably going to be tempted to complain and what to do. And uh, we ship them anywhere in the country for $7 and 95 cents. So I bring that up not to sell bracelets because I make almost nothing on them after everything, but I bring it up because I've never seen anything work better at making people mindful of a ubiquitous habit that is everywhere. It reminds me of when everyone was smoking. And so everything smelled like smoke every single where you went, cars, cabs, everything, everything, airplanes smell like cigarettes. So you really didn't notice it. We are that immersed in negativity and complaining now, and especially with the politics getting ready to kick off Mm -hmm. again even bigger. So I really think trying to make yourself aware of how often you complain, because when you complain less, you attract people who will complain to you less. You often start it and don't even realize it. If you can talk about what's going well and what you're happy about, other people are poised to react and that's what will happen. I love this. This is this is that whole thing about, for me, your period healing period matters, period. Mm. So as yeah. you do this work, as each one of us takes the responsibility and says, hey, I want to be conscious of my complaining, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then we start changing inside. We start attracting more happiness within us and from outside of us. And you know, Will, this, this is so awesome. And this is what I love about the work you're doing in the world and how many lives you've Thank touched, you. because this is how we start becoming, you know, the pebble in the pond. And and these concentric circles really do help to heal the world. Mm-hmm. I well, like to think about, I mean, 15 million people, certainly only a small per- percentage ever make it 21 days. Most people quit. They give up just like with diets and everything else. But how many complaints didn't happen? in the last 16 years because of this. How many times did people not complain? That gives me joy to know that. I feel like I'm really elevating the consciousness of the world. 100%. And as we, we, yeah, you are. And I love it. I mean, it excites me. And I really believe that this is how we make substantial change. And it doesn't have to be difficult. It has to be intentional. And so Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, how has it changed your life personally? What has been the greatest benefit for you in changing around this behavior? Compassion. I mentioned to you, I was at the grocery store earlier today. I live in the tourist area. I live in Key Largo, Florida. There's tons of people walking around who've never been in the grocery store. It looks like they've never been in a grocery store. <laughs> and if you're in a hurry, that can just be so maddening, you know? And at the same time, your mind wants to go, damn, tourists wish they'd get out of here. And then my mind goes to, they're on vacation. 
you know how you feel when you're on vacation? Don't complain, even in your own head. You know, um, I forget who I heard first heard it say, but you want to give people safe passage through your brain, through your mind. And so for me, by not needing to have bad things to talk about to start conversations, I don't look for bad things. And I, I'm more compassionate about situations and things that happen and stuff like that. And that just leads to happiness. I mean, the, the Dalai Lama said, you cannot separate happiness and compassion. The two are, are basically the same. So yeah, for me, that I would say that compassion for myself as well. How beautiful. And again, you know, from within and then also without, you know, it's like you're able right. to do it both ways. What a beautiful infinity sign, you know, of that energy going within and, and yeah. then radiating that out to others. Well, Will, I cannot believe that this time went by so fast. If you were to leave the audience with an essential message, what would that be? Nobody ever complained their way to health, happiness, and success. I, if I can be a, put a finer point on it, I spoke to a multi-level marketing group one time, and I said, those who bitch don't get rich. I mean, when I did, when I was on the Oprah Winfrey show, she closed by, after the camera's off, she reached over and said, I have nothing to complain about. And she explained, I thought, of course not, you're Oprah, for gosh sakes. And then she said, no, no, no. It's not that I have everything I have, and that's why I don't complain. She said, I learned a long time ago, don't complain, you can have anything you want. So I think it's that powerful. Beautiful. Will Bowen, thank you so much for being here. The book is A Complaint-Free World, How to Stop Complaining and Start Engaging in the World. Love it. Thank you, Will, so much for being here. My pleasure. Take care. So I loved Will's acronym, GRIPE, for the reasons that we complain in the first place and how we can shift out of it. He talked so much about how complaining is habitual. And when we become mindful, like with his purple band on our wrist, and we change it every time that we catch ourselves complaining, if we do that 21 day complaint-free challenge, we can start shifting out of what was once unconscious to consciously choose to be more positive. And what Will shared with us is when we do focus on what's more positive, when we bring ourselves to the present moment and focus on gratitude, we let our ego go and let go of the demands to have this moment be anything other than what it is, then we become stewards. We become a conduit for more and more positive things, more beautiful things to attract into our lives. I also loved when he was talking about the difference between complaining and informing yourself or someone about something. So it's really important to remember that Complaining is when you're saying, oh, this is wrong and I don't like this. And, you know, he talked about the wine factor when you're whining all the time and that you can notice something, you can observe something. He quoted Eckhart Tolle saying, you can notice that the soup is cold. If you complain to the waiter 
and say, why in the world is my soup cold? I can't believe this kind of restaurant. Well, then you're complaining. But if you say to the waiter, you know, my soup is cold. I would love another bowl that's warm. Then you're just informing someone of a mistake. Big difference. And when we change that inner chatter within us, whether it's negative about someone else or whether it's negative about ourselves, that really is how we start changing our lives. I've seen relationships change so many times when people go from criticism and sarcasm to appreciation. And all of a sudden, when that negative chatter gets changed in their mind, when they start switching the channel, beautiful things occur in that relationship. And our minds truly, as we start practicing this, I just invite everyone to take this 21-day challenge because as we start doing this practice, we can really direct that reticular activating system to start noticing what we want to experience. So let's notice more joy. Let's notice the things that light us up. Let's be in a place of gratitude and see all the miracles, all the beautiful things that that sparks in our lives. You have been listening to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe and receive every episode. For more information about this show, my books, films, and events, go to stephaniejames.world and ignite your best life. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.